0: Good morning, everyone. I just want to thank you for joining us online, but I especially want to thank all of you guys for being here today because the the goal of today is to talk about, for me, my personal Lord and Savior Jesus. And I find it a privilege and an honor every time I have a moment to talk about Him. So today and this week as I was praying about what to talk about, years and years ago, I had the privilege uh, when I was working with another ministry to interview a lot of people. And one of which was Billy Graham. And he said, uh, he, he gave me both an admonition and an encouragement. He said, listen to what you hear from the pulpit. Listen. Because it's what's going on in the hearts of people. It's what's going on in your own home. It's what's going on in your heart. And out of that place, if you speak, then you'll reach people. So today, as I was praying this week and looking at my own life and the lives of people around me, and, and those that I just happened to encounter, and I'll put that in quotes, one word kept coming up over and over and over, and it was uncertainty. Any of you today, are you dealing with uncertainty? Well, I feel like God has a, something that he wants to say to all of us today about that subject, but we're going to start, as sometimes I like to do, with what I call the beautiful bean footage, so Tim, let's roll it. Turn it up. Okay, well, what do you think? We got audio? There we go. Let's back it up. Hey, I grew up in television, so what we would do here is take two.
1: my own path needs rerouting. Because every time I walk my own way, I get lost. And even though I'm lost in the desert, I now realize He created it. He knows where the water is. He made the sun. His creation is mine
0: So I know it may have been a little hard to hear and a little hard to see, but the, the point of all that is just as a reminder that though deserts look like deserts, God created those too. And that there is opportunity for rain. And that the one thing that even as I have had an opportunity in the past week just It's just being me, but sometimes it has to come in the role of being a chaplain or whatever. Somebody somehow trusts you to talk to them. When you say something like, it's going to be all right, it somehow falls short of meeting their need. They don't want to believe you. It's been far too simple for me to say, it's going to be all right. Unless you have something deeper inside to draw on, The Bible talks a lot about the cedars in Lebanon. I had to do this big research one time on the cedars in Lebanon. And I thought, oh. And then uh, here it was. I'm writing this thing. And the next thing you know, it's the reason they're referred to so often is when the drought comes, their roots will burrow into the ground for miles if necessary to find the source until the rains come and their roots retract and receive. They don't live in that deep place of, well, it might happen again, so I better stay there. The tree is smart enough to pull up and say, ah, thank you. We need to be like those cedars in Lebanon. Instead of looking and panicking at the ground as it's cracking around us and go deeper. And when I'm talking about deeper, if you know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, there is an opportunity to go deeper in your faith, deeper in what you believe, deeper in how much you trust him when the desert seems wide and broad and expansive. So I looked up a little bit on rain. You know me. I like to research stuff. And usually with rain, and it was funny. Did you all hear the rain last night? I was going to put a sound effect here, but I think we heard it last night when it sounded like, you know, I, I got a boat parked by the house, a little bitty boat, but it sounds like, man, it's, it's one of them going out to sea boats when the rain's hitting it. And uh, so I said, wow, something bad's going on. And I look, and the raindrops were like the size of my hand. I said, Wow. So, but rain, rain is typically, it means that change is coming. There's a, a weather front, a boundary line between two distinct atmospheric conditions. Something's changing. And how ironic is it that, as the Lord's given me this message today, where, where we live, that's what's happening. It's 60 degrees outside, it's going to be 17 tonight. You know, there's a change coming. But in Scripture, when we look at rain, Holy Spirit and rain go together as an analogy in the scripture. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and the floods on the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Rain is one of the many symbols used in the Bible to illustrate the Holy Spirit and God's outpouring of refreshment in Psalms and Acts, of empowerment in Acts, and of restoration that pouring of rain. Why is rain such a good analogy? Have you ever tried to run from one place to the other in a heavy rain and not get wet? It's impossible, right? You can put up your umbrella, but it never fails. When you close it, it's going to get you, right? Or you, you go to the drive-thru in the rain, right? You ever notice it takes longer to order when it's raining than it does when it's sunshining? You know, I don't know what changes there other than the wind direction blowing in the car while I'm ordering. But man, you have to ask 100 napkins by the time you get there, right? But that outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in your life, when the rain starts to happen, we have to be in a place to be able to notice that it's not the inconvenience of getting wet, but it's the fulfillment of the dry places. So when when the analogy of rain is used, it's God saying, I want to cover you completely. I want you to be inescapable. I want you to be completely soaking, sopping wet with the knowledge that I care for you. But we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it when somebody says, it's going to be all right. No, 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 you just, no, Uh no. No, but it's going to be all right. Well, how do you know? I pray. Well, they can convince me more ways. We, I'm in the they, I fall in, uh, look, nobody that stands here has got it together. We just have the courage to admit we don't, all right? All right, so when we get in this place where I don't want to hear it, we have come comfortable in that place of uncertainty because I'd rather deal with, as they say, with the double I know, right? You're trying to deal with what you understand, what you can relate to, really low expectations, you can handle that better than hope some days. Because hope in the original Hebrew is confident expectation. So to have hope, you have to confidently expect something's gonna get better Well, when nothing you see looks better, when nothing you hear looks better, when nobody's acting better, you're having a hard time going, how is it better? And God is really saying, hey, Cedar, get a little deeper, because I'm here. You're just looking in the wrong places. We've been on both sides of this. It's going to get better, it's going to get better, it's going to get better, hush! (laughs) Or, you're here and you're just like, wow, I I just can't take anymore and somebody's trying to encourage you. Or, you're on the encouraging side and the person you're trying to pray for and speak to and you see that there, it's kind of like, if if a a, when Nicholas was little I was always very hyper vigilant about the bus stop because we live kind of on a busy road, so I didn't want him to get too close to the road too quick because people don't pay attention to buses anymore then it'll stop don't assume the little beeper thing means the car's not coming so I was hyper vigilant to make sure he didn't go on the road, right? he got tired of hearing it I know, I know, I know, he would tell me, I know, I know right, Right? I know, got it but I needed to be sure but I know, but I need to be sure Right? So as we are praying and trying to speak into people's lives, they're not always as receptive to what we're trying to encourage them to be. And then that scenario flips. Sometimes we don't want to hear it either. It makes it hard for God to encourage you when you just don't want to hear it. And I'm not talking about rejecting Jesus as Lord and personal savior. I'm talking about that scripture that says, not only have I come to give you life, but life more abundantly. The more abundant life comes through relationship. In relationship, you like to talk. And you should also like to listen. Well, you don't understand. I hear that a lot. I have felt it. You're right. I don't but he does nobody in this room is gonna completely understand your situation but they can say I'll pray for you I'll ask God to help you I'll lift you up or yeah I had of this I remember when this happened to me they can give you some type of encouragement to their scenario that doesn't exactly match yours but you've got to be willing to hear the seed of encouragement instead of being convinced that no one here understands which is okay if nobody completely gets it. Do you understand that God gets it? Amen. Do you understand that there's no desert that you can go in through or accidentally happen upon that God did not have a part in yes. to get you to a deeper place? Does that mean he doesn't love you? No. Look, I, was, I think I've told you this story before. I was in Africa. I don't tell you these things to go, oh well, Angela was in Africa. No, I was in Africa, all right, and <laughs> I'm on a dirt road, middle of nowhere, middle of the Serengeti, like you see on the Discovery Channel, you know, the one where things eat you, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm there, and I get out of the car, I'm sick, I've got, I got malaria, and so I get out of the car, sick as a dog, and the guy tells me, the guy says, look, you know, don't, do not walk in the grass if you don't see birds, I was like, why, because uh, they're snakes, Okay. No, the snake will kill you. Okay. Got it. Do, do not go near the river. There, there are hippos. All right. Why? Hippos kill you. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> so everywhere I looked, there was someone to kill me. But meanwhile, all I could think about was, can I find some place in a treeless basic place to throw up in peace? All right? All right? I'm going to be real frank with you, right? So I go behind the truck, everybody else goes to the other side, and I'm over there just sick as a dog, and I said out loud, God, if I could just have some water in a wet rag. And I could see for miles, and if you ever see Serengeti on a picture, you can literally see for miles. And then all of a sudden, pulled up this little uh, Range Rover-looking thing. Lady, guy and A man, uh, man and a woman got out, handed me a gallon of water, a plastic cup, and a a rag to put the water on. They said, we thought you might need this. We brought it over to you. (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, son. And and as I looked up to thank them, the people, I looked, and the people on the front of the vehicle that were trying not to hear or see whatever I was doing were going, and then I turned around to look, and we could not find where they went, but we could see for miles. They didn't understand where I was or what was going on. But see, God understood where I was. He could meet me where I was, even though logically I could not see how an answer was possible. There was a hippo that wanted to get me on the creek. There's a snake in the grass. There are things that could track me down. I have no ability to run, and quite honestly, I was at a point I'd lay down and give up. But I think they would have looked at me and said, as I remember as I was being really sick, and the creek is maybe about as far as Miss George is for me, the hippo looked up. And I know he said, not that one is sick. (laughs) But God understood where I was. He knew what I needed. And there was something that he was working in me, even at that moment, that seemed like, why did you bring me all the way out here to let me get bit by a mosquito that's about to take me out? But there was something God was building in me, helping me to understand that even when I can't do things, I'm a doer. When I can do nothing... God does all sorts of stuff. Amen. That's awesome. But who do we look to in times of uncertainty? Okay? Who do we look to? Now, in church, we want to say, oh, we look to Jesus. Well, I'm going to tell you who we're looking to. All right? We Google it. Last year, there were 2 trillion Google searches in 2018. 5.5 billion searches a day and 63,000 searches on average per second. So ready, one thousand. 63,000 searches just happened. Worldwide, looking for stuff. So we've gotten programmed that the answer comes and that somehow we know when we see the right answer. All right, I don't even want to see a, a show of hands because I know. All right, how many of you have self-diagnosed on the internet? <laughs> yeah. right. Okay. So you go and you type in lump on my head. Next thing you know, you got cancer, melanoma, WebMD. Go to the doctor quick. You forgot to type in, hit my head with X. (laughs) Right? I remember I had a friend that was a chiropractor, and it went in, and his neck was all like this. She was helping him. He said, I don't know what I did. Finally, after she worked on him, he said, well, the car hood fell on my head the other day. You think that could have done it? And she's like, for real right now? They're going through all these horrible scenarios. And the truth of the matter is, what it was searching had left out a little piece of information called hood impact on head, which probably <laughs> changed the whole scenario, right? But, but we're used to quick response. We get, they say, on average, you get three clicks now on a, on a website. I see it. I find what I need. Maybe not. Could this be it? Oh, get me out of here. We don't have any patience, right? So I can only imagine, now look, I I, I have all the Bible apps and all that stuff, and I can look stuff up, I can find words and key search, but I can only imagine, unless it's right here, if it's gone from here to here, when stuff happens, do you know if you go and search prayer, how many things you're going to find that don't direct you here? If you go look for insight on how to have peace, how many things are going to direct you somewhere other than here. And if they happen to be saying what you don't want, if they happen to be saying what you don't want to hear, you don't read it. And if they happen to be saying exactly what you think is right, you read it. Okay? So if the first click said, go pray, you need Jesus. Oh, it might be a tumor. Oh, let me read about 12 more pages into that, because that just, yeah, that agrees with what I think. So all of a sudden, we're in a lot more drama than we really need to be in. i, don't, am, I am I preaching to myself here? Where all of a sudden, that instantaneous need to know is met. And then there's that, uh, that other place. You know, the, the one that if it goes out, do you know more people will call when the cable go box goes out than when the power goes out? power, they're like, oh it blinked, it blinked three times, oh, it to be on in three hours, that's their code. You know how we all say that stuff to each other, right? Oh yeah I got a generator, we're good. Cable box is out, we will ring the phone off the hook over at Cox Cable, they will have 12 trucks in the yard just to shut us up, because we might be missing something. But in doing that, we see that all of a sudden, you notice how programming changes as it gets later at night, there's lots of stuff sold, right? So as we are in our uncertainty and we can't sleep and we stay up at nights, we find our, our Ginsu knives and our our, our the, the jewelry and all of a sudden there's there's all these products that just look so logical when somehow at three o'clock in the morning, right? And then there's this guy. Do you know this guy? Do any of you have the ShamWow? That's right. Any any of you? Any of you got the ShamWow? Right? So he being an entrepreneur he said look he dropped out of school he went to California he said all right I know how to sell things you need to not be nice about it you need to be aggressive about it you need to make people feel like they're gonna miss something and he was right people started ordering them and ordering them they they say they work that's awesome but man people somehow this guy could talk you into it and then I got to thinking in my little bit crazy warped mind maybe if we presented the gospel in this way, people could receive it a little better. Because we want fast, we want quick, we want immediate. We want that sense of, oh my gosh, I might miss out if I don't get it. Right? So, whoa! Alright, I'm going to go on a commercial for just a second, okay? We're going to do a commercial. Here it goes. Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. But there's more. All right? All right? Okay. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts, your minds, and Christ Jesus. But wait. There's more. You're not getting me, are you? Finally, whatever is true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever, if there's anything in excellence on those things, they are worthy of praise. I want you to think about these things but there's more. There's a whole lot more. It's all in here. We present it in a way that says, well, you know. Like there's a period at the end of the sentence. But there's not. There's more. That, that somehow that you can read it and it won't mean something different tomorrow. There are psalms. There's a psalm I read this week that I hadn't noticed before where it talks about God is more powerful than the sound of the ocean. I love going to the ocean. But that picture of God being more powerful and consistent than the sound of the ocean is amazing to me. Because it's ever present. It's the thing you crack the door to hear when you're at the beach. You want to hear it. I want Him to be like that in my life. I want to hear it. I want to be aware there's more. I want that same excitement that makes me dial the phone and order a sham to do this. We're missing that excitement, that part that says, you know, I've got a problem. Here's a solution. Because that's what the Shamwall guy does. Here's your problem. I can fix it. And God says the same thing. Here's your problem. I can fix it. But instead of a 1-800 number, it's 10 or 15 minutes maybe a day. Maybe it's a constant attitude of prayer for you. Maybe it's, Lord Jesus, please help me. And that's all it takes to get to that more. Be still and know that I am God. In Psalm, it reminds us. Do you know how hard it is to be still? I particularly have great difficulty with that. It is hard to be still. But what it's really saying is quit freaking out. Quit looking for answers everywhere else. Let me, God is saying, let me be God. It's like that Jerry Maguire movie when he looks at him and he says, Help me help you. I feel like God is saying to that on a daily basis. Help me help you. Listen, pray, talk to me. There is only one place in scripture where God is said to speak in a still, small voice. Did you know that? We talk about that all the time, hearing the still, small voice of God. One place, and that was when he was talking to Elijah. Elijah was in a cave. There had been a battle. He had, was exhausted. He'd gone up into the cave. Uh, it says the angel of the Lord had brought him food and sustenance and all these things. But he started to complain that all God's prophets had been killed by Jezebel, and he was the only one that had survived. He was having a, he was having a little, if I could put it in, in just basic, my house terms, pity party. He'd been provided for, he'd been saved, he'd been spared, he's in a cave, he's got angels bringing him food. But look at what happened! And I get it's a big deal, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to dilute the process. But, God instructed him to stand on the mountain in his presence. Right? So, he goes out and... Can you imagine standing in God's presence, right? It's amazing. And now God, all of a sudden, the Lord sent a mighty wind which broke the rocks into pieces. And then he sent an earthquake and a fire. But his voice wasn't in any of them. And then after all of that, he spoke in a still small voice or gentle whisper. I believe somewhere in there, God was reminding Elijah of who he was. I got this. You think I can't handle this? Really? Really? I got this. But he didn't do any of those things. To him, to him, he spoke quietly. Have you ever noticed, it's almost like somebody who's really big and huge, and and they talk to you really quiet. You can see the authority. You know they could probably speak loud. You know they could probably pound you in the ground. But then they go talk real quiet to you. And you're like, whew. It's almost a relief. You can receive from them a little better. I believe that's what was going on here. Is God saying, look, I want to speak to you. I want to tell you something. I've got this. You're worried about all that? I got you. That's that pulling you out of that place where all of a sudden we get so focused on what is happening to us that we can't see what is about to happen for us. Do you respect God's authority? Can you hear his gentle whisper? Do you realize he's big enough to handle whatever you got? Do you respect that in him? Life is full of uncertainty. I think we can all agree. But God is full of certainty. There's the difference. So when somebody says everything's going to be all right, receive it if you know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, receive that as an admonition that God has got your back. That he's not going to let you fall. He's not going to let you stumble. He's not going to send you someplace that you cannot hear or reach him any longer. He is constant with you. That's right. So how can you be sure? Here we go again. How can you be so sure? Because doubt speaks loud. And I'm going to challenge you right now. When you're in the middle of something, be careful who you listen to. Because if everyone around you agrees, yeah, you're in a pickle. You're going to stay there longer. Get with somebody that will actually challenge you to say, well, actually, you know, I, have a, I always pick on Rosie. She's super optimistic. Oh, God's got it. He's going to do this. The Lord's going to have it. I could be like, you know, uh, in quicksand, my nose sticking out, handing her a stick. Oh, praise the Lord. She has <laughs> optimism in her spirit that sometimes I need that optimism because I'll, I can get in the weeds. Can you? I can figure it all out. I can look at the checkbook. I can look at work. I can look at schedule. I can look at school. Oh, man, boy, can I give you a list? Do you know, I think I told you this once, one time I, I had a, so much on my mind and I've been really working on not worrying and not being anxious and allowing God to be God. And this was years ago. I Went down to, I was, had a notepad, and it was a yellow pad this long, and I felt like the Lord said, go ahead and write down everything you're worried about. So I took that challenge seriously. Three double sides later of the long legal pad, man, I had everything I could possibly think about to worry about. And I said, all right, I think I got it. Man, I did that homework really well, right? And the Lord said, go ahead, and, uh, and this is going to sound strange, but this is the way it happened. And he said, why don't you take that and tape it to a big rock? I said, okay. So I took it, and I figured it was an analogy. The Lord sometimes speaks to me in ways that helps me understand. So I I put it on a rock, and I taped it all up, and I was real proud of myself. I thought the Lord was going to tell me to keep that as a reminder, you know, that he's my rock, and the rock is going to take it. You know, I had already figured out the sermon analogy for that one, right? So I usually, I like to be by the water sometimes when I just really need to pray or just talk to God. So sometimes I'll ride down to Cedar Landing. And uh, so I was down to Cedar Landing, and, and I felt like the Lord said, get out. I said, okay, cool. It's a beautiful night. No problem. He said, why don't you throw that rock? I said, okay. He said, no. no." And, and it was in my spirit. It wasn't like out here. It was in here God said, and don't throw it. I want you to throw it. Because God knows I can throw a softball, so certainly I can throw a rock. So I said, okay. Took the challenge, and I hauled off, and I threw it as hard as I could, and I was really proud of myself because it had some arc, and it was gone, and I was almost in Langley Field. It was gone. I said, well, Woo, liberated. And then in an instant, a still small voice in my heart said, go get it. And I, honestly, I was like, you're kidding me, right? right? And I, you know, my mind started going into the, well, I could get the kayak, I guess. I guess I could find it. I think it went over there. Man, is it muddy out there? Because I've been out there before. You step in it. And I'm like, Ugh. And then the Lord was like, no, the point is, when you cast your cares on me, you don't get to take them back. It's not like fishing. When I fish, my favorite part of fishing is casting. Not catching, casting. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> and then I, did it. I used to drive Daddy crazy. He's like, Angela, cast the thing and leave it. I said, but Daddy is fun. I can go farther than that. He said, Angela, it's not, he, the fish aren't out here. They're down there. I was missing the point. But I, I love the whole cast and retrieve process. But the Lord wants us to cast our cares on him. And then have the wisdom to leave him alone and let him do what he does, which is to take care of the things that we are so worried about so that he can show us on a daily basis how much he loves us. But what I've found is that if I'm always looking at my rock full of problems, I never notice the solutions. I didn't realize how hard that was until I got this devotional that I'm doing where you start the day with kind of Thanksgiving and then you write a little bit about, you know, the requests that you're making to God. And then at the bottom it says, what are the answers you received yesterday? Some of God's answers take a while, right? What are the answers you received yesterday? But when you become determined to see incremental answers, it's amazing the things you can list. We wait for the big stuff. But sometimes the answer to prayer is a hundred on a math test, not the passing of the whole grade. Do you see what I'm saying? We're so busy focused focus on that we got to go, okay. Or, or uh, hey, mom had a great day. Not the complete healing from what the problem is, but she had a great day. Do, do you get what I mean? There are ways to see those incremental steps that God's doing. So how can you be sure? Well, I'm going to try to give you what I'm going to consider my top ten or my top seven. It's going to be all right promises for you, all right? It's going to be all right. So I'll try to go quick. I don't want to make you late to lunch. All right. Number one, I will be with you. And I picked a more obscure scripture because I wanted you to be aware of it. I find this one powerful. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. That's powerful. He will fight for you. All you got to do is just hold it. I got you. Number two, I will protect you. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Lord Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. That's in Psalms. Basically, he's saying, look, I'm in his shelter. I'm in his house. He's got me. He's got me covered. Nobody's going to mess with me. You ever had that person in your life, you know, where you, you, I have a buddy talking about when he goes out with Denise places and things where he's like he wants to be a little bit in front of her or whatever because he wants to protect you and keep anybody from messing with you. He's got that protector instinct. God has that about you personally. He wants to protect you. He wants to look out for you. He doesn't want any, any little trapping that's going on around you to hinder you. You know, I, I hear all the time people like me with going through the, the light at the intersection where I felt I needed to stop, and the big truck went through, and it could have hit me had I not listened. God wants to do that for you all day long. Sometimes, do you know that if you see things like, I, I had to do a bunch of stories on the 9-11 thing, and it was really hard when I'd interview people who were felt guilty for surviving. And one guy had broke his shoestring on the way. And he stopped at the CVS on the corner, around the corner from the building to get new shoestrings. And he was fussing because the lady behind the counter was super slow. But had she been any faster, he wouldn't have survived it. He would have been right in the middle of it. There's all sorts of stories like that. But what I'm getting at is if in your day you can start seeing those inconveniences as potentially God redirecting to prevent you from being in something you shouldn't be in saving you from something. I will be your strength. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Number four, I will answer you. My favorite all-time scripture. Call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not. I love this scripture because it requires me to call on him, a relationship. He promises to answer. And not only answer like I do as a parent sometimes, which is, yeah, okay, Yeah, I got it in a minute. But it's going to show me great and mighty things that I have not even fathomed yet that I could not possibly think of. Number five, I will provide for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. These are things that that you need to write in your heart and mind so that as things get challenging, as things are uncertain, you can remind yourself, wait a minute, God has a plan for me. I have a future. I have a hope. Number six, I will give you peace. Peace I leave with you and my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world promises things they can't deliver. God is promising things he will deliver. Are you willing to receive them though, is the difference. It goes right back to the calling on Him. "Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives it." In other words, I'm, God is saying, I'm consistent. I'm there. People will fall short. People will disappoint you. people will hurt you. It's just the way we are. We're just people. We're fallible, sinful people, but God forgives sin. He redeems our mistakes. And he helps us to know, I'm always there. You know, if you don't, there was an old saying once that said, hey, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? Right? He's still there. And number seven, I will always love you. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers, nor things present, or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, have we covered it? Anybody else hot in here? He's hot in here. All right, for I am persuaded that neither death, all right, a lot of people are afraid of dying, neither death or life, nor are angels or principalities, stuff you can't even see, the stuff that tries to creep you out. I've always said I wanted to go on one of them ghost hunting shows because as they're getting all creeped out, you go, Jesus, show's over. There's no, I can't find anything. That's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, so no power nor things present nor things to come. In other words, what's going on now or what you fear might happen, all of these things have been covered by the love of God. All of these things have been covered by the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. Life can be good. Life is good. I I have run across people just in this past week. Life is overwhelming. It's too complicated. I can't handle it anymore. When you're to the point you can't handle it, when you're to the point that, and I get there where you're just stressed out and worried and concerned about all sorts of things, that's when that redirection to the whole point of us being here needs to happen. That's when a little more time with Jesus and a little less time with your own self needs to happen. You're stronger than you think because you know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. I know a lot of people that you would say to yourself, wow, how did that happen? And God stepped up and did his thing because he's God. Like I I, I watched the thing on the Internet this week, a guy with no arms and no legs learning to swim in a pool. And I was just, and I, younger, was kind of afraid of jumping off into really deep water and I was doing a, a scuba class, and uh, and, you know, and all my mind could think of was it's 100 feet, it's 100 feet, it's 100 feet. And then it was a SEAL instructor was teaching the class, and I'm a girl in the middle of a bunch of guys, you know, and I'm learning how to do, and uh, it was like three girls and all these guys, and he looks at me and he says, um, what's your problem? <laughs> really, really compassionate guy. I was like, man, that's deep. Once it's over your head, who cares how deep it is? What an epiphany. You know, it really didn't matter it was 100 feet. Once you're over your head, it really doesn't matter that it's 99 more feet below you. This part can't breathe anymore. I got it, we're good, we're good. You know, and, and, and just to belabor on that a minute, I really had some mental process problems with that whole class. I did get my certification, right? But uh, you had to go to the bottom. Once you got to the bottom, you, there was a, a deck. You get on the deck, you take your breathing apparatus off, your vest, your auto inflate, your thing out, all that stuff out, you set it down. You're 75 feet down. Leave your weight belt on so you're staying stuck to the bottom. You take it all off. You set it down. Then you take your mask off and put it down. All right? So I take all of this stuff off. And then I get to here. And I'm like, oh, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I start heading to the top. I get to the top. and The guy's like, the SEAL guy comes back up again, the same one. that said, what's your problem? He said, uh, we got an issue? And I said, well, I, it's just freaking me out taking my mask off. He said, do you mean... That you can remove all things that sustain life and you're afraid you can't see? And I thought about it. Holy moly, I took out the air. I was good with that. <laughs> it was the, the water rushing in my eyes that was freaking me out. But how often isn't that like life? We get sidetracked, focused on the exact wrong thing, and we are dissuaded from focusing on the life sustaining parts. We get so focused on what what we think is awful that we forget we've got to connect to Jesus. We've got to connect to God. We've got to see what he thinks about it. Meanwhile, I had to go all the way back to the bottom and put all my air back on so that I could pass the class. I had left oxygen at the bottom because I was worried about water in my eyes. Okay, That's a lack of common sense. I'm just admitting it right now. But that, for me, was a big deal, the inability to see was a big deal. I don't know if I'm I'm speaking to anybody, but just myself. But anyway, all right, so, I guess you all recognize Oscar Sesame Street guy. So, a little rough on you here for a second. It's time to remove that garbage that's kind of in our way. The thought that always expects the worst. Do any of you do that? All right? That is contrary to what God wants to do in your life. If you're always expecting the worst, then how can he be the great God that he is? Because he said, I have great plans for you. Not to harm you. Not to, not to tear you down. Not to tear, take you out. But I want to help you and love you and lift you up. But if you're always expecting the worst, how can that live in same relationship with a relationship with God that says, Lord, I want your best, but I expect the worst. How does that measure out in the end? Your voice ends up louder than his. The thought that expect the worst. That part of you that expects the next shoe to drop. Any of you like that? Well there went that. There's a the water heater. Let's go dishwasher. We expect it. We start to get ourselves into that that anguish of okay here it comes. Bring it on. You know I heard somebody the other day go yeah well my water heater went out. It happens in threes. Two more things. What's next? And I thought wow! All right, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the water heater to be fixed and not to expect two other disastrous things. I can barely handle water all over my garage floor, much less. I mean, but you get what I'm saying? But if you're stuck in that mindset where somehow a a superstitious thought or something has been ingrained in you that is contrary to the promise of God, do you see how that could be in conflict? It's two sides of the magnet fighting one another. God is trying to draw you in, and you're actually repelling him with expecting nothing. You assume the worst is going to happen, so you're prepared. Preparation is awesome. Love it when people are prepared. I love it when a storm comes around and you go knock on the door and the person says, no, I got my three oxygen tanks, I'm good. I got my this, I got my that. Love preparation. But if you live in the constant fear the worst is going to happen, where's the joy in the everyday that it didn't? It's like I talk to people that, oh, Picosan, I saw there was a, a storm that happened and this and that, it must be crazy to live there. Well, 364 days of the year is awesome, but that one day was pretty bad, you're right. But am I going to throw away that? You know, that, the whole family heritage, the legacy, all the stuff I've learned here, all the things that people I know, oh, well, I get me out of here. No, because I see that there's value beyond that one awful day, but if I live every day as though a hurricane's coming, There is no way, it's almost like uh, sitting in the driveway with your car in park and you floor it. And it's just, right? It is not made to work that way. We are not made to work that way. Something's going to blow. Take your foot off a second. Step back and realize that when the worst isn't happening, be grateful for what is happening that's good. Never acknowledge when good things are happening. Do you do that? I've encountered people that say, I want to be careful what I say. I don't want to jinx it. Are you kidding me right now? Thank you, Jesus! (laughs) It says that if I am grateful, and he knows that I know that he provided, more is coming. Bring it! But if I don't acknowledge him in all of my ways, the path does not get so straight to the next blessing. There is a a and a negative side. We always say the scripture: uh, "Those uh, you know that follow the Lord, it will maneuver their strength, and it will make his path straight." we say it the right way, right? Well, do it the way, say it the way you're acting. I don't acknowledge the Lord. My path's kind of crooked. I'm not sure where I'm going. Do you see what I'm saying? There is a contrary side. But if we follow the scripture the way God intended it and acknowledge him in all of our ways, all meaning when you blow it, please forgive me, when it's great, thank you, in all of our ways, then all of a sudden it gets easier to see blessings coming because you know you're doing and you're having a relationship with the one who blesses and he desires to bless you. Am I making any sense? So if you're not able to see when good things are happening, can you see when God things are happening? Because they're kind of one and the same. The good and the God go together. We've got to acknowledge them. Are you living ungrateful? When something good happens, do you immediately go on to the next thing you're worried about? Or do you take a pause and a breath and a beat for a second and go, Thank you, Jesus. Or do you go right to the next thing? Do you still believe that you have to earn your salvation? Let me clear that up right now. No, you do not. Salvation is free. It is paid for. It's hard for people to understand that something that valuable can be free. But if the guy offering you the sham wow can talk you into buying two because it's free shipping, give me a break. This is completely free. It's totally paid for. Ah, You don't even have to call an 800 number. You just simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Savior. You'll get more out of that relationship than you will out of anything you can order. Amen. Do you try to outsmart or negotiate with God? Well, Lord, if you do this, then I might do a little of that. And God, if, if the yellow bus goes by and misses the stop, then that's you telling me that I don't need to go to church today. All right? I know that's ridiculous, but we do those things. Lord, if all that, we used to laugh. If this light is on at Krispy Kreme, that's the Lord telling us we need a donut. Right? Right? So, So praise the Lord! But you see what I'm saying? We do that kind of nonsense when the truth is he wants to be your best friend. He's not just some deity on high. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to ride in a car with you. He wants to talk to you at work. He wants you to, he wants you to hear him in music. He wants you to see him in the birds that fly by. He wants you to see the weather happening and when you see rain, think, oh Lord, drench me with your Holy Spirit. He wants you, he wants you to just be constantly aware of that still small whisper that says, hey, I love you. Even when you mess it up and he says, "Whoa, I wasn't too good. You might want to apologize for that, but I love you. You see what I'm saying? There's a grace that comes in that relationship. If you can flow in that relationship where instead of trying to negotiate with a deity, you're having a relationship with a personal Lord and Savior, it changes things. It changes you, which then changes things. What do you see here? Do you see a guy about to get his shoes wet? Right? Because that's the way we think. Or are we thinking... Oh, I know the plans for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you and to not harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. He stepped off and he left. And everyone in this room said, buddy, you're not going to clear that puddle. But God said to do it, so he's going to help him get where he needs to go. Sometimes we have to make sure we are listening to God more and people less. How about here? What you see? Where are you in this scenario? Nine times out of ten in my week the past two months, I've been right here. All right? something's after me, here they come, here it goes, there's a deadline, there's something happening, something happening at work, this, and you're outrunning something, right? But we've all seen National Geographic, we have all changed the channel just before the, right? Because we know, he's quick, he's agile. But our God is awesome. So no matter where you are, but they that wait upon the Lord or renew their strength, they shall mount up on wings as eagles, they shall run and not grow weary, they shall walk and not faint. You got the energy to run the race. You got the protection from the predator. God says, I've got you. You have to get to a place in your uncertainty that you can receive that simple, still, small voice that says, I've got you. It's going to be all right. We wear the little bracelets that say, God's got it. Now, I need it to somehow absorb. Get right in here. And then sometimes what has to happen with me is it has to go and then it'll drop a foot because i got to shut off this that wants to outthink, outmaneuver, outplan every problem, task, and detail and simply say, Lord, help me because I don't know what to do. Help me. Are you okay not knowing? That's the ultimate in uncertainty. Are you okay not knowing? Not knowing what's going to happen. Not knowing what door God's going to open. I'm okay with not knowing as long as I know who does know and who is looking out for me. It's like if a child came up to you and said, Hey, would you get me something to eat? And you said, Yeah, sure, no problem. I'll get, I'll, just give me a minute. The child doesn't know what you're going to get them, but they trust that you're going to do it. They're not sure exactly when it's coming, but they know you're going to do it they trust their their need has now been imparted I've received it and now I'm gonna fulfill it that's the relationship that we need to have with Jesus we present our need we trust him with it in his time he fulfills whatever it is he needs to do to help us and then we are in a position to actually notice and receive the blessing when it comes we need to get out of the desert temper tantrum and get into the desert praise we get in the desert we pitch a fit our attitudes I'm I'm right there with you it's like John came over and he was talking to Nicholas and I was in the other room last week and I was working on this proposal I had to have done for work by three o'clock Nicholas is talking in the other room he had been doing that all morning with the game you know he was playing a truck game and then I hear all this talking and from the other room I say hey hush Because I couldn't think it was coming through the wall. It was so loud. And then John comes around the corner and goes, it's me. (laughs) I didn't even know we had company. But my point is, in the middle of your own day, in the middle of your own chaos, you feel the stress and the tension building. Find your time with Jesus. Find it. I don't know. For me, it has to be somewhere right... Right when, after he gets on the bus, because we get up at 5.30 already anyway, but right after he gets on the bus is when I find my, my time. So that I can have those, that moment with God to say, look, here's what I'm thinking, what are you thinking? Because I need to replace what I'm thinking with what you're thinking, because what I'm thinking sometimes is not the right direction. So everything is going to be all right. Do you believe that? No matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on in your life, everything is going to be all right, but it's really not about me, and it's, it's not about you, it's about him. It's about having a relationship with God that allows you access to the answers and provision that you need to meet you where you are. Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God be thankful and pray. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus. And whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there if, there, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's practically speaking what that scripture is telling you is it. Gives you a model for the kind of prayer we need to pray when we are uncertain, anxious, or worried. First, got to reject the worry. Do not be anxious about anything. That's that moment you get on your knees, you're rejecting the worry. Then we simply ask God for what we need. In every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. It's okay to ask. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to speak the Pentateuch. You don't have to know every scripture. He just says, talk to me. Talk to me. Tell him what you need, what's on your heart, what's on your mind. But get your expectation right that God will do it in his best for you, which is better than what you can come up with. And we thank him for all that he has already done. That thanksgiving part, take a minute as you pray each day, find one thing that you're thankful for. Next thing you know, it'll be two, then be three, then it gets easier to see. And finally, rest knowing that He loves you, and He's going to work things out for our good and His glory. Because in doing that, we can have His peace, and His peace surpasses understanding. I felt it the day that I my, when my dad died, and I had to do the eulogy, and I was so upset. And I talk about this a lot, but it was a, a pinnacle. It was really something amazing for me. The minute I stepped out of the car at that mausoleum, there was a peace that surpassed understanding I have never felt before in my life. That's God saying, look, I heard you. I got you. You weren't expecting it, but here I am. I had prepared myself. I had tissues in my pocket and everything. had a backup plan. had already told my aunt, look, things go bad, you better step up. I mean, you see what I'm saying? We do that. But God said, no, no, no. I got you. I'm going to give you peace that surpasses understanding. Look, with certainty, I believe, everything is going to be all right because God said so. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that you care so much for us, that you, Father, want to meet us at our every point of need. Lord God, I pray right now for anyone, Father, who who doesn't truly say, "Look, I know you as my Lord and personal Savior. I pray for them right now, Lord God, that that they would take today, they would take right now, this moment, and just simply pray, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Father, I, I, I ask right now, Father, as you touch them, Father, I thank you, you want to forgive all of us for our sins, and that you want to make us all, Lord God, uh, part of your daily blessing. You want, Father, to speak to us. You want us to have ears to hear. I pray, God, right now, Father, that we are sensitive to your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, for rain, not the rain that that wets the grass, but rain that wets our spirit, God, that fills us with your presence, that that elevates us to that place, God, where we trust you. Help us to be like those cedars in Lebanon. Help us to know, Lord God, how how to go deep and to connect, Father, with your word and your power and your authority and most especially your love. God, I pray in Jesus' name, you would help us, Father, that you would be both in our hearts and in our homes, and that, God, you would help us, Father, to hear and see you working in our lives. Help us, God, to not only hear but follow. In Jesus' name, amen.